From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. Hundreds of people are suffering from respiratory illnesses, and six have died after using electronic cigarettes, sparking a rare bipartisan response in Washington. President Trump, on September 11th, said the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, would ban the sale of flavorings for the devices, and lawmakers of both parties are considering legislation. I have three guests today. Dr. Jonathan Winnikoff, a professor of pediatrics at Harvard Medical School who was previously head of the American Academy of Pediatrics Consortium trying to stop kids from using tobacco. Donna Shalala, a congresswoman from Florida who was Secretary of Health and Human Services during Bill Clinton's presidency. And Andrew Siddons, the CQ Roll Call reporter covering the issue. I'm going to start today with Dr. Winnikoff. So welcome, Dr. Winnikoff. Thanks for having me. First off, Doctor, are electronic cigarettes dangerous? Absolutely. Um, the only thing that you should really be breathing into your lungs is clean air. And so in that sense, any ultrafine particles, any toxins, uh, any nicotine that you're inhaling into your lung isn't safe. Uh, just because a company says it's safer than combusted tobacco doesn't mean it's safe. And as we've seen, um, once you are addicted to nicotine and to electronic cigarettes um, in an unregulated marketplace, you are susceptible to anything that people put in there. And unfortunately, now there have been um, the deaths, uh, at least six now, according to the CDC, 450 cases of a severe lung disease due to a product that people are inhaling, and we don't really know where it's coming from yet. Do we know if they cause cancer in the same way we know that cigarettes do? No, well, we know that they have, uh, we know that these products contain carcinogens. Um, that's a known fact. It's even published by the companies themselves. There are heavy metals in these products. Um, there's an array of agents that, of which there is no safe level to inhale. Have you heard anything about the illnesses that have occurred and the deaths and what might be happening in those cases? So for these deaths that are happening right now, I think that it's going to be a combination of different um, components that are leading to the deaths. But one thing that seems to be fairly common is that there's fat or grease de depositing into the lung. So some of the agents that are put into electronic cigarettes to make the juice thicker, to make it appear more highly concentrated, may be oils or, or grease. You heat those up, you inhale them, and then it coats the lung in a substance that air cannot penetrate. So it heats up, it gets inhaled, and then it cools down when it hits the lung tissues. So this is a, um, essentially a feeling of drowning when you're on dry land. Um, the lung just can't function. It feels like you're air hungry um, from what patients say. And the, again, the only treatment here is time. The body has to try to clear out these fats, um, these oils that are coating the lungs. And then sometimes, unfortunately, as we've seen, um, despite our best treatments, uh, the patients die. 
So these are often sold, uh, e-cigarettes that is, as smoking cessation tools. Are they better than smoking traditional cigarettes? So electronic cigarettes are the very last resort that anyone should ever try to get off combusted cigarettes. There are safe forms of nicotine that have been used for years that are tried and true that can quadruple the chances that someone will successfully quit. And by that, I'm really talking about FDA-approved nicotine patch and nicotine gum. Every single person who uses combusted tobacco should be on nicotine gum and nicotine patch to try to reduce or quit the amount of combusted tobacco they, they use. Doctor, I'm sure you're aware that 5 million minors, it said, are now using electronic cigarettes. That's in about one quarter of the nation's high school students. That's up 20% from just last year. President Trump said on September 11th that the Food and Drug Administration would bar the sale of flavorings for the e-cigarettes. The agency, it's already illegal to sell them to people under the age of 18. So given that, what more could be done to stop kids from using these devices? So there's several points of policy here that we should really try to get in place to protect um, adolescents and young adults in this country. Number one, we should ban all flavored tobacco products, not just electronic cigarettes. We really need to get rid of flavored tobacco, including mint and menthol. Uh, another key component here is raising the tobacco sales age to 21. Uh, we think that a national law Keeping uh, the sales age for to all tobacco products equivalent with alcohol is appropriate. Given that the uh, teenage brain is more susceptible to nicotine than the adult brain, um, it takes less nicotine to become addicted and it's harder to ever quit. So raising the tobacco sales age is absolutely essential and that needs to be enforced with compliance checks, and license revocation if there are failures uh, of the retailer to abide by the Tobacco 21 legislation. Now, the Food and Drug Administration has proposed to regulate the levels of nicotine in these in cigarettes, in at least in traditional cigarettes, uh, to make them non-addictive. Is that a good idea? That's a great idea. The ability to titrate down nicotine and combusted tobacco will save millions of lives in the United States because combusted tobacco will simply not be an option for people who are addicted to nicotine. Um, it's all about getting that nicotine in. If we can take it out of the most dangerous products, then I think that we'll all be safer. Dr. Winnikoff, we appreciate you coming on our show. Thanks, Sean. It's uh, great being here. Next up today is Representative Donna Shalala, a congresswoman from Miami who headed the Health and Human Services Department during the Clinton administration. That department now regulates tobacco products. Uh, welcome to the show, Congresswoman. Thank you. So, Congresswoman, you've proposed legislation that would go much farther than what the Trump administration proposed this week by way of banning flavorings for e-cigarettes. Why do you see the need to go further than that? First, we're trying to protect children. So raising the age to 21 
for buying e-cigarettes is extremely important. And eliminating this advertising, which is clearly targeted to young people. I've been through this before with the tobacco companies. Um, they targeted children, and we spent two decades reducing the number of children that start smoking. They don't smart, start smoking before they're 18. They will never smoke. So they pivoted. The tobacco companies pivoted, and their financiers pivoted and went to e-cigarettes. And now we have another problem. It's like pounding down them on one side and they pop up on the other side. But more than anything else, what we're trying to do is protect young people's futures. So what else is in your bill by way of restrictions to keep these e-cigarettes away from children? Well, the, um, the inability of them to sell to anyone before they're 21 and then getting all of the places that sell e-cigarettes to enforce that uh, will be extremely important. The restriction on requiring only face-to-face -face sales seemed like a very exactly. important provision. Getting rid of getting rid of online sales that will be extremely effective, um, and that's what we did before, of course, with cigarettes. Those cigarettes were not. Um, ordered through the mail, but they were bought everywhere, including near schools. This campaign, once we get the legislation, will require states and local governments uh, to participate to make it effective. So like the tobacco campaigns of an earlier decade, we'll engage um, states and local governments. Uh, the president has only tried to ban the flavors and it, they've got a very long timeline because they have limited authority. What we're doing by legislation is taking, doing a much more comprehensive effort. Now, have you spoken with Speaker Pelosi about getting your bill to the floor? I have. And what's, the, what's your assessment of when it'll happen? I spoke to both uh, Chairman uh, Pallone, Frank Pallone. He chairs the Energy and Commerce Committee. He's chair of Energy and Commerce, and he... Um, is the co-sponsor of the bill with me. I'm the co-sponsor with him. I mean, he's obviously the senior person here. And I spoke to uh, uh, the speaker today, as a matter of fact, and she was going to, she, boy, she gave me an earful about what she's been hearing in her, her own district about e-cigarettes. So she was going to speak with Chairman Pallone today to see how fast we could move the legislation. It seems notable that San Francisco, her district, has banned the sale of e-cigarette devices going further than anywhere else in the country. Though there are lots of activities going on around the country, but it's necessary to have a national law. What about working with the Republicans on this? Obviously, the Re Senate is Republican-controlled. Will Do you expect your bill to, or some, some parts of it, to become law ultimately? Absolutely. And in fact, the majority leader has already indicated that he will support a bill that raises the age to 21. That combined with the president's commitment suggests to me that we ought to be able to put together a bipartisan effort. And I expect um, Republicans in the House of Representatives to support the bill. Now, when you are so ahead I of do think their votes are there for the Senate. Uh, to support the bill, as well as members of the House on both sides. 
Now, when you were head of the Health and Human Services Department, it did not have the power to regulate tobacco, but it gained that in a 2009 law signed by President Barack Obama. It's now a decade later. Uh, should the government have been more attuned to the risk here of the tobacco companies pivoting away from traditional cigarettes to e-cigarettes? Yeah, they should have been watching it much more carefully. If they had listened to teachers, the first thing I heard um, was from teachers um, at least a couple of years before I decided to run for office. So I began to hear from teachers about what they were seeing in the classroom. And of course, college campuses, which had smoking bans, um, were beginning to see them as well. So, uh, but the purchasing of the small companies by the tobacco companies should have been a clear signal for everyone. But remember, we ran a major campaign without the legislation. We tried to get uh, the authority for the FDA. It never happened until 2009. But we, we enlisted the states and local governments in a major public health campaign. Uh, and then there were the suits against the cigarette companies. So it was the combination of those suits plus our leadership on a campaign that actually long before 2009 started to reduce the number of kids that started to smoke because the states took hold. That's what's happening now. We simply want to assist them with national legislation. So it seems, though, that all the successes you had during the Clinton administration in driving down smoking rates uh, could slip away if e-cigarettes uh, continue to addict Americans. Uh, exactly. And particularly young people. I'm I am focused on young people uh, in this case, because once they start to smoke, it's very difficult to quit. Um, and so we need to nip this one as quickly as we possibly can. And by the way, the earlier decade campaign against tobacco was a huge step in public health. This will equally be uh, an enormous step in public health. All right, Congresswoman, we appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Last today, I have Andrew Siddons, who was the CQ roll call reporter covering this issue. He was up on the Hill this week talking to lawmakers about how they see it. Welcome, Andrew. Hey, Sean. Thank you. So, Andrew, is e-cigarette regulation an issue where Republicans and Democrats, who have been so at odds this year, where they might come together. It seems like there's a changing tone on this on Capitol Hill between the recent illnesses um, and the further increases in youth usage of e-cigarettes. Um, more Republicans uh, are expressing concern than they traditionally have been. Um, in addition to your members like Dick Durbin, who met with the FDA commissioner He's this morning. He's the Illinois... Democratic senator, a big proponent of regulating e-cigarettes. And one of the most vocal people on this issue. Um, you're starting to see members from the Republican side like Mitt Romney uh, with st similarly strong uh, rhetoric. Um, and then you have members um, even on the House side like Tom Cole, who have traditionally been more sympathetic to the view that e-cigarettes are an important tool Cole for is adult. Cole Oklahoma, Oklahoma Republican, right. very close with the Republican Party leaders. Right, a pretty mainstream Republican. Um, and you're saying he had been very skeptical 
in the past, but not so when you talk to him? He's tried to um, make sure that e-cigarette regulations are a little more favorable to industry in the past. Uh, today, uh, he was telling me how he understands uh, why the White House had to act and uh, how important it was to keep flavors um, out of kids' hands. That being said, um, he and others are still, you know, concerned about the potential uh, for, you know, adults to no longer have uh, a cigarette smoking um, alternative. But the issue with kids is now such a big problem that even the harm reduction crowd is starting to um, you know, see more wisdom in something like the flavor ban. And Durbin, uh, Dick Durbin, is one of the top Democratic Party leaders in the Senate. Did he ramp up his crusade on this? Uh, lately, he has been. Uh, last week, he called for the acting FDA commissioner, Ned Sharpless, to resign unless they took stronger action on e-cigarettes. Uh, when I talked to him today, uh, Senator Durbin was pretty happy with the announcement. Um, no, oh, The ban on the flavor. <laughs> yeah, no longer... Um, thinks that Sharpless should uh, resign, but he's also cautious and wants to see what the FDA ultimately uh, proposes. Um, and they are also starting to raise concerns um, beyond the flavors. Now that uh, flavors um, are banned, uh, some members are concerned that a black market for flavors could um, could pop up. Uh, they're also concerned that addicted kids may have to switch to cigarettes. Um, and they want to make sure that the FDA is able to crack down on things like online sales um, and really put their money where their mouth is in terms of enforcement now. Right. And we don't really know what's happened with these illnesses for sure yet. But one of the think one of the things people are thinking is that it might be sort of unregulated flavor pods that are causing the illnesses. Right. Right. So. You know, on the one hand, by taking, you know, flavors off the market, you're probably going to help long term, you know, fewer people will be addicted, fewer people will be interested in these problems. Um, but looking beyond that, um, these members are also calling for the FDA to just start more strongly regulating the devices themselves so that they can make sure that people aren't manipulating them, uh, you know, to to use making their own home. Exactly. Brew. Yeah. Um, and. Then uh, Mitt Romney told me today that, you know, he thinks flavors should be banned permanently um, because, of course, what the FDA proposed is possibly only temporary if an e-cigarette company is able to show them the data that flavors are actually helpful in a public health context of helping people quit cigarettes. The FDA could approve a flavored e-cigarette product in the future, um, but some so some lawmakers think that they should try to permanently outlaw um, any flavors. So Representative uh, Donna Shalala uh, and Congressman Frank Pallone proposed legislation this spring that would raise the the age for buying tobacco products to 21 and take some other, other regulatory steps to uh, make it more difficult for kids to get their hands on, um, on e-cigarettes and electronic cigarettes. Is, what, else, what other bills are out there that have been proposed uh, that might stand a chance. Mm -hmm. So at a minimum, it seems like Congress is poised to raise the nationwide smoking age to 21 uh, this year. Um, that's got a lot of bipartisan support. Mitch McConnell has a, the Senate a majority leader. Yeah, the has Republican a bipartisan Senator majority leader. Right, has a bipartisan bill that advocates and Democrats have you know signed off on. It might be hard to do uh, to not do more than that, though, given all of the, the recent news. Um, some of the other in, um, proposals 
um, in addition to um, uh, stronger, you know, being stronger on flavors by um, setting out the parameters by which the FDA might be able to approve flavored products in the future. Um, uh, another bill would impose a fee uh, on the makers of e-cigarettes that the FDA would be able to use for their enforcement. Um, a group of uh, Senate Democrats yesterday uh, introduced a bill that would impose uh, new taxes on e-cigarette makers. Um, and uh, the Shalala and Pallone bill would also um, forbid online sales of e-cigarettes. Right, a major way that kids can get around the age restriction. Right. Uh, although it's worth noting that the FDA is trying to implement like very strong um, online age verification for um, for online sales, the same way that you might order wine online or something like gotcha. that. So the FDA's authority here, Andrew, it stems from a 2009 law that was signed by uh, President Barack Obama. And it's a decade later now. Uh, during that time, they've had wide ranging authority to regulate tobacco products. Have they dropped the ball? I think I'll, most people would say that they have. Uh, this goes back to the Obama administration. They first, you know, finalized these rules. Um, Scott Gottlieb delayed them from going into effect before reversing course after realizing how bad the uh, youth use problem was getting. Uh, and now his his acting successor, Ned Sharpless, um, has been criticized for sort of a clumsy, tone-deaf handling of this issue, particularly by Senator Durbin. Um, but his action today suggests that they, um, you know, they're starting to, to see the point that many advocates are making. Um, that could also be due to uh, leadership from uh, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar, who has been pretty... His boss. His boss, pretty vocal on this issue himself. Um, and now President Trump as well. He uh, made some comments um, at the White House the other day suggesting that he and his wife Melania were very concerned uh, about youth use. They because mentioned they, their son. They have a 13-year-old son. You mentioned a moment ago that the FDA has a acting head right now, and that's um, because Scott Gottlieb, the the uh, head of the agency from the beginning of the Trump administration until earlier this year uh, resigned. Um, he said uh, didn't uh, protest on his way out. It wasn't he said he wanted to you know it was just wanted to move on and do other things. Um, but where where is the FDA without a, a, a Senate confirmed administrator at its helm right now? So it's it's complicated. Um, Gottlieb got a lot of credit for. Um, being vocal about the e-cigarette um, epidemic, as he described it, um, and proposed uh, almost exactly a year ago. Well, he first threatened almost exactly a year ago um, to ban flavors outright. Eventually, they softened on that and originally proposed um, that flavors wouldn't be able to be sold in places like gas stations or convenience stores or anywhere where you're not carted uh, at the door. Um, Though, as at the, by the time he stepped down, that hadn't gone into effect. It actually still hasn't gone into effect. Um, and I think it is notable, actually, uh, that, that now the FDA, instead of just going to that step, has gone even further with the outright flavor ban. Gottlieb had raised the possibility of requiring uh, tobacco companies to reduce the level of nicotine in their products to non-addictive levels. What exactly was that 
proposal and where does that stand? So that's another big picture proposal that he, he did get a lot of credit for. Um, the, the idea being that it, if uh, cigarettes were less addictive, that people would be more inclined to switch to the less harmful, uh, potentially less harmful products. Um, th- but right now that's still in the very early phases of the uh, of a very long and drawn out rulemaking process. Um, it's possible that the initial proposal could come at some point this fall, um, but then after that, it would probably not be formally um, proposed or, or formally finalized until next year, at which point uh, I think people expect the tobacco industry would, would probably sue. Um, it's also worth mentioning that the industry could possibly sue over the flavor uh, ban proposal, um, although Juul uh, signaled that they will comply once it goes into effect. Juul, the, the major manufacturer, the most popular manufacturer of these products. Right. Andrew, our listeners should look for your articles at rollcall.com. You're going to be continuing to cover this, and we thank you, and thank you for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, Sean. Thanks for listening to CQ on Congress. The producer of this show is Micaela Rodriguez. You can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And please rate us. We'll see you again next week.